seated. Every time I read that, that passage, I can't help but think about my grandfather who would always, always, before we opened presents with my mom's family, would read this passage before we opened presents. And um, I hated it because it was before the presents. I mean, come on. Until I got older and I, I learned to appreciate it very, very much. But I want you to, this morning to imagine that you are an eight-year-old um, boy or girl. And it's Christmas morning and you have just woken up. You never thought you'd go to sleep. You were so excited to open up presents in the morning. You, you wake up and can, you can barely calm down over the excitement and anticipation of, of what you're going to find under the Christmas tree. You've asked for all the latest and greatest toys and gadgets. You've, uh, maybe you think you're getting an Xbox or a PlayStation. Perhaps it's the latest smartphone because for some reason eight-year-olds need smartphones. Or it's a tablet because eight-year-olds somehow need tablets. But you run into your parents' room and you wake them up. After everyone gets you know, the sleepy out of their eye and you gather in the living room around the Christmas tree, there's plenty of present sparkling with shiny wrapping paper and you can't wait to go at it with a smile your parents give you the okay and you gather all your presents and you you, you start opening them up the the wrapping is so shiny and you you just know you got everything you wanted you start ripping the wrapping paper off the first box hoping santa or your parents didn't tape the box Seriously, it's wrapped in wrapping paper. Why do you tape the box? I'm talking to any of you that tape the box. No tape. But you open the box and what's inside? Socks. You think socks? Okay, maybe the next box is going to have what I really want. So you go at it again. You rip apart the wrapping paper, and then you open the box. What's inside? Underwear. You think, this is what I stayed up until midnight for? Now, don't worry. This fictional eight-year-old boy or girl has more flashy presents under the Christmas tree. But you see, to, this, to an eight-year-old little boy or eight-year-old little girl, socks and underwear is not what they want for Christmas. It's not even on their radar. Yes, they're growing. Yes, their underwear and their socks, they got holes in them, but it's not what they are expecting to open on Christmas morning. It's not what they wanted, but it's exactly what they need. Sounds a lot like the Christmas story to me. Sure, it may sound a little blasphemous to compare Jesus with socks and underwear, but just like it to an eight-year-old little boy or girl on Christmas, socks and underwear are not what they expect, not what they want, but it's exactly what they need. Jesus on that first Christmas morning was not what the world was expecting, not what the world wanted, but he is exactly what we need. Jesus was, in fact, the unexpected gift. 
I think a lot of us in the church, we have grown accustomed to the Christmas story. If you're like me, you've heard it your entire life. We've heard about Mary and Joseph and the manger. In fact, the whole thing has become more like a cute bedtime story. I envy those of you who may be new to church or unfamiliar with the birth of Jesus because you probably see what some of us often miss. Maybe you see the wonder and the thrill of the Christmas story. You probably see the uncomfortableness throughout the story of the birth of Jesus. Let's begin with Jesus' parents. Luke tells us that Joseph is going to Bethlehem to take part in a census that Caesar Augustus has issued throughout the Roman world. In order to do this, each person must go to their family's hometown. In this case, it was Bethlehem. And so, and Luke tells us that Joseph is not alone. And so verse 5 says he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. That sounds pretty innocent. Except that we learn in chapter 1 that Mary was, in fact, she's a virgin. That an angel was sent to her to inform her that she's pregnant. So we've got an unmarried couple who are expecting a child though this woman's a virgin and was giving news of her pregnancy by an angel sent by God. That has scandal written all over it. Can you imagine what would have happened if this happened today? Either the media would have a field day over it, or it'd be seen as so absurd and so crazy that no one would pay any attention to it. But this is the story of the birth of the Savior of the world. This is how Jesus came into this world. This is how God chose to enter our world and become a human. It was not what was expected, nor was it wanted. But it was exactly what we needed. You see, a lot of people think that God is totally detached from our reality as human beings on this earth. But the beauty of Christmas, the beauty of the story of Jesus' birth is that in Jesus, God chose to be fully attached, fully present with us, and able to sympathize with our struggles and our situations. Hebrews 4.15 reminds us that we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did so without sin. How's that possible? How is Jesus able to empathize with our weaknesses? Because, because he became human, lived on this earth, was born into a poor family who was living out their own soap opera on a worldwide stage. You ever thought your life was a mess? Apparently not. Maybe your life is a mess right now. Maybe your past was a mess. Or maybe you're going to find your life in a mess in some point in the future. Well, guess what? Jesus entered our mess. He became a part of it. Can you imagine what people must have thought of an unmarried, pregnant couple in that time? who said their baby came from God. 
Jesus knows all too well the messiness of our life. Part of the the greatest unexpected gift that, that is Jesus is that he is able to empathize with our mess. He knows what we're going through because he lived it. What makes him the greatest gift ever given, and we're going to talk about that later in this series, is that he lived the mess that we're in, but he was able to overcome the mess, and Jesus wants to help you overcome your mess. What also makes the gift of Jesus so unexpected, but exactly what we needed, was the display of humility throughout this Christmas story. Now, from a, a purely human standpoint, we would expect God to enter this world in a royal extravaganza, horns blowing, a celebration. Here, let's, he's right here, the Savior of the world. But Luke tells us that the first group of people to visit, to welcome Jesus into this world, were not dignitaries, were not heads of states, shepherds. Now, shepherding and tending sheep was one of the lowliest jobs and occupations during that time period. It's the equivalent of maybe, I don't know, garbage men cleaning the sewers. Except, instead of garbage cans and sewers, shepherds would spend time in fields watching over their sheep. And it's in the fields that, that angels tell the good news of Jesus' birth to the shepherds and, and tell them where to find the baby king. And so it's, it's clear that God deliberately sought out these shepherds to be the first to visit Jesus. God is making a point through the birth of Jesus. And, and later, as Jesus lived his life on this earth, humility is the way of life we're called to. We're to serve God, we're to serve others, we're to think of others before we think of ourselves. And, and while the shepherds are a great reminder of humility in this Christmas story, there's no greater symbol of humility and love than the manger. Now for most of us as Christians, the cross is probably the most powerful symbol to us. The empty cross reminds us of, of Christ's sacrifice for our sins, but also that Christ is alive. He's no longer on the cross. He's no longer in the grave, but he's alive. Three days later, he rose from the grave. He's alive, and that offers us new life as well as eternal life. But I would propose to you this morning that the manger is just a powerful symbol as the cross. Luke tells us of the birth of Jesus. He says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She, she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. I think we expect the Christmas story to be a demonstration of God's supremacy, but God wanted to make a statement of his incredible love for you and for me. Maybe like me, growing up in the church, you, you grew up with this sweet, picturesque nativity scene. Got some beautiful, beautiful nativity scenes in these windows around the church. Mary kneeling by Jesus as he sleeps quietly. 
Perhaps you, you picture like the song, Away in a Manger. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the bright sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Are you kidding me? I've been through three births. I mean, you know, I wasn't doing the hard part, but I've been there. Is that how we think it happened? If Jesus was, was truly human and he was born like we were all born, I'll tell you what, there was a lot of crying. There was a lot of screaming going on. Joseph and Mary, they returned from every house and every inn. Remember, people are coming into Bethlehem for this census, and, and they get there late, and there's just no room except a stable. The birth took place in a barn. Joseph most likely helped with the birth. All right, dads. The animals would have been making plenty of noise because guess what? Their space was being invaded. The manger is another word for feeding trough. This is how God chose to send the Savior of the world into the world. And it was not by accident or happenstance. This was on purpose. You see, the humble circumstances surrounding the birth of Christ make a statement about God's love for us and the love that we're to have for others. Love is most dramatically conveyed through a humble act of self-sacrifice. And that's what the birth of Jesus was. That's what happened that first Christmas morning and that's what happened on the cross. Love shown through humility and self-sacrifice. This is what Christmas is all about. And this Christmas, I want to invite each of you to humble yourselves and to participate in a little self-sacrifice. I'm going to ask my ushers if you guys are prepared to go ahead and, and start passing out. Um, I've got a little card. had not done this in a few months. I'm going to ask my ushers to pass out a card. And on the front of this card is, uh, looks like this. Where's mine? Don't have it. Anyways, that's all right. I know what's on it. Don't worry about it. Good. On the front of the card is the title of this series, Socks and Underwear. Not what, we, not what you want, but what you need. On the back, I want you to flip it over on the back. And I think it was either last week or the week, um, the week before that where I talked about I talked about how much this church gives. And it seems like the more we ask you to give, the more you come through. So I'm going to ask you to give some more. You know, this new preacher's pushing it, but he's going to, okay? They say it's better to give than to receive, and I want to prove that this season. On the back of your card are three dates. Those dates are the next three Sundays, the next, the three Sundays, the next three Sundays of Advent. And with each day, 
is a description of what we are asking you to give on these Sundays. So next Sunday, December the 4th, week's time, I'm giving you a lot of notice. We're asking you to bring socks and underwear for the children at the Methodist home in Macon. We're going to have an undie Sunday. <laughs> now here's what I need. I don't need, uh, I don't need yours. I, I don't need used. I need new packaged child and youth size socks and underwear. Yep, don't do that. Superman's the only one that can do that. Girls and boys. So this week, simple. Go get a package of socks. Go get a package of, of underwear. And if you can do more, that's great. But do what you can do. And so next Sunday, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna ask you to bring them up, and you're going to place them under the Christmas tree. Don't, don't wrap them. Don't do anything with them. Just bring them, and we'll get them to the Methodist home. Then on December the 11th, <clears throat> we're going to ask, <clears throat> that's not good, voice is going, December the 11th, we're going to ask you to bring items for the angel tree. This Wednesday night, names will be available for the angel tree. You, some of you have already given money, some of you gave money in the bucket. If you want to get a name and then buy stuff for that name, we're asking you to bring that stuff on December the 11th. And again, we're going to take them and we're going to bring them under the Christmas tree. And then on the 18th, we're asking that you bring non-perishable food items. And again, we're going to ask you to come and bring them under the Christmas tree. And we're going to get them to the bridge to help those in our community who need food. I'm excited about the opportunities that we all have to give. And like I say, the goal of the Christian life is to become more and more like God. And we are most like God when we are giving because we serve a giving God who gave his very own son that Christmas morning and on the cross. Jesus was not what we expected or wanted, but he was exactly what we needed. This Christmas, I want you to pay attention to the Christmas wrapping. I'm not talking about the wrapping around the presents. I'm talking about the wrapping around the nativity scene. The wrapping paper has this odor, sorry to be crude, this odor of manure and a stench of the animals. Look at the manger. It's nasty. It's dirty. It's noisy. As you think about the manger scene, remember that Jesus came into this world for each one of us. He came in the most unexpected way a king would come into this world. But he would also go farther to demonstrate his love for us. That first Christmas morning, and again, all the way to the cross. No, Jesus was not what we expected, but he was exactly what we need. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for coming into this world, for becoming like us, for entering in the mess of life, 
Sometimes we have this little nice, pretty little picture of what took place, but you entered into mess to save us from our mess. Help us all to recognize the great gift you are to each of us and to the world. May we learn from the humility that's in the manger scene as we give of ourselves this Advent season. We thank you for the opportunity to give. For you have given us everything. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.